0: it's been quite a year in real estate. From late 2021 to early this year, we set unheard of records in sales and prices here in Toronto and actually all across the country. Then came the first interest rate hike, then another, and another, and another. In fact, we've had seven rate increases since March and the real estate market as a result has completely turned around. On this episode of Sold in the 6 we're going to go over some of the real estate stories that made headlines over the last year with the Toronto Star's Real Estate Reporter. Tess Kalinowski is the Toronto Star's Real Estate Reporter and she joins us again on Sold in the Six. Tess, it's so great to have you back. Welcome back.
1: It's always great to talk to you, Jess. Thank you for asking me.
0: Yeah, and thanks for agreeing to come back. So, what a year we've had in real estate. We had crazy markets all across the country for about a year and a half, and most of it was fed by the
1: pandemic, wasn't it? Uh, I think so. In fact, it was pretty close to two years that we had wild activity, I think, Um, and it was... I'm, I'm sure for people in your business, it was a hugely exciting time. Exhausting, perhaps, but exciting.
0: Yeah, it was really, really exciting. And yet yeah, people started looking at their lives a lot differently. I know selling in the urban areas of Toronto, people love to have all of those great amenities close by, you know, the parks to go to uh, because they were working from home. They wanted, uh, you know, the playgrounds for their kids so they could take them out while they're on their on their breaks. If Of course, they were shut down from school and they wanted things, you know, being able to walk to things a lot more. So we found that, you know, the neighborhoods where houses had, where the houses where neighborhoods were easily accessible that had all of these great amenities were booming. However, during all of this, we had people looking at their lives and saying, ah, I want out. I want to get out of this place. I want out of the city and I want to move to another area like rural areas. And that takes me to one of the stories that you wrote way back at the beginning of the year in January about the Great Migration.
1: Oh, yes. The Great Migration. So the star asked me to look for people who left during the pandemic and it wasn't really hard to find them. There were a lot of them around. Um, And so... I did find a bunch of people, all really nice people with kind of solid goals and, you know, people with life plans. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that is when I followed up with those people um, a few months later, they were all still in place. And then here's the story I haven't written, so I can give you a bit of an update. Um, I talked to, there was a woman in particular, Bonnie Wex, who moved to Coburg during the pandemic, she uh, she thought she saw an opportunity for real estate. She couldn't afford to buy in the city. And she thought, okay, here's my chance. And she found this condo that needed work in Coburg, which lovely place east of Toronto, little beach town, really nice. Um, bought a condo because she could afford it there and renovated it to be perfect for her. Stayed until I think, hmm. Maybe six months ago, six or eight months ago. And then she emailed me and said she was coming back to Toronto. Oh, yeah. For her. Um, So, you know, it's been interesting to watch how that's worked out. And now we're seeing that the outflux of um, people from the GTA in Ontario is greater than ever. And so we're going to be doing, a colleague of mine is going to be tracking where these people are going. You probably saw the campaign by um Alberta. Yeah, I want to do a podcast you know, on to that meet and our and house to prices like that. move to Edmonton. Yeah. Well we'll see how that goes here yeah. <laughs> because all those people have to survive in Edmonton winter, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. No, so now speaking about Alberta, in that article you spoke to a young lady, um and uh, what was her name? I'm I'm sorry. Lauren. Yeah, right. Lauren McCreary, who moved from Toronto to Canmore. And the reason th- this one really intrigued me because Alice and I bought a property in Canmore during the pandemic. I haven't seen it yet. We bought it <laughs> through FaceTime. Alice has been out there with my son Cyrus to uh to furnish it and we have it rented out through a a property management company. But let's let's talk about the lady, that young lady in Canmore and why she went out to Canmore and basically she she loves it there.
1: Well, she loved it there before. So she had personal connections, a good friend there and uh, new people and just really liked the West, um, had been to Canmore on a trip and for some reason it struck her heart. So she liked it going in. Um, she's such a brave person though, Lauren. I think very highly of her because she was very honest about why she decided during the pandemic to go. And that was basically a single woman living in a downtown condo. Um, Her brother and sister-in-law lived in the same building, but Lauren frankly felt lonely and isolated. A lot of people wouldn't admit to that because there she is in kind of like heaven for a young, single, attractive person. And um, she didn't, she was lonely and sad and she thought, Maybe this is the time I mm-hmm. realized my dream. And she took a leave from her job, her good government job, and decided to focus on her side business, which is um, kind of a, a wellness career counseling. Kind yeah, of that, thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, consulting people on stress and burnout, Yeah, I think is what you had said yeah, in the article. And she, and, yeah, she
1: went there. She found an apartment. And she really did. It wasn't perfect. There was an issue with the apartment. Like, it was really expensive, and it didn't have a separate home office, I believe. But yeah. it really worked out for her. And I just... The only thing I would say is the last time I talked to her, and it's been a few months, she had just had her first niece, and... um she was feeling that tug of being so far from her family, which is sort of based in the GTA, mm-hmm. um, and and was missing being able to, to have that time with the new baby. So I should actually reach out to her and see what's happening now. But she's a fantastic, fantastic individual.
0: Yeah. And, you know, with Canmore... I mean, she's surrounded by mountains. I know the place that we got, you just look out and you're, like you're right in the mountains. The only thing you really have to worry about is bears. And, and we, we, get the, um, <laughs> we get the reports out there. Alice is uh, subscribing to this uh, newsletter. and there was a report of a 90-year-old woman who was out for a walk one evening and uh, encountered a bear and uh, it wasn't just her, there were a couple of other people along, but she had her bear spray and fought off the bear and saved these other people as well. It was just an amazing story.
1: (laughs) I love those stories. Now, I'll have to ask Lauren if she's met any bears.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure she's walking with the bear spray too. Um, Lauren, there was one part of that article that touched me, and it was a note that she had from her mom. About about following your dreams, oh yeah, and, yeah, you know, leaving her, her you talked about family earlier, yeah, and just following her dreams, and that she looks at this note all the time and she says it it brings tears to her eyes.
1: Well, yeah, and I, she did mention the note, and then uh, you know, when I sensed that she was missing her family when the baby was born, I think I think she was from a very close family, as I say, she lived with her brother in the same building in Toronto um, before she moved, and she'd sold her stuff. She had moved in with her parents. Um, in the GTA and, you know, her mom just told her that she, what I saw in her, which was, she was brave and, uh, you know, that, that, those kinds of words from your mother Mm -hmm. can be very sustaining when you're in a hard place. Like, you know, every day, even if you're living your dream, every day is not a dream, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And with the, the pandemic, a lot of people did start looking at their lives in that way and, and saying, I'm going to start start living my dream. And I think that's where this great migration started. However, like you said, the next article you're going to be writing about it is like, where are they now, I guess, right? And you mentioned the, uh, the woman who wants to come back from Coburg. again. I thought Toronto Life was doing a few stories along that line, too, of people who wanted to come back.
1: Yeah, well, you know, things aren't always what they're cracked up to be. And yeah. in some places, I mean, people picked remote places and I think they, it's our it can be hard to break into a smaller community sometimes. Mm-hmm. I've heard this is an issue on the East coast that they, that not everybody felt as welcome despite the famous maritime hospitality yeah. that they got there and the Maritimers were kind of going, you're inflating our prices. Mm. Um, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the inflation of prices uh, was not escapable anywhere in the country, but I think we're settling now. And as we've talked about many, many times with people I've had on the podcast, it's those outside areas where we saw huge peaks in prices are the first ones for the prices to start coming down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're seeing now. Um, We've... I mean, we had the peak in February and March in, in in real estate sales all across the country, and then the interest rates um, being increased by the Bank of Canada, like I'd mentioned in my introduction, there seven times. Um, you speak to a lot of agents, and we, you know, I speak to you as well about market conditions, and things have changed. You know, I know a lot of agents like to, uh, like to put the blinders on and say, "Oh, everything's everything's great, everything's great," but no.
1: Oh, things have changed. changed. (laughs) And they think I'm buying it when they say that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, as somebody's been pointing out online, there were, you know, 5,000 sales last month and 70,000 agents, right? Like everybody's not not, um, having the time of their life, although many agents don't do a ton of deals. I understand that, but yeah. It's certainly been a, a year of ups and downs for you guys because the, the year started off really hot, like it's been through the pandemic. And mm-hmm. then as soon as rates started to climb, things got slower and slower as they've climbed mm-hmm. higher and higher. They've You know, we're, we're now in a pretty dead winter, I think, are we not? I mean...
0: Yeah, it's it's well. Take a look at that last month's uh, stats. I mean, the the sales were down by forty nine percent compared to this time last year. I know it's sometimes it's hard to compare the year before, but you know, as an agent who's out there on a day to day basis, um, yeah, I'm seeing the slowdown. Things are taking a lot longer to sell now. Uh, We have to be patient. You know, uh, average average days on the market are at least a month. Even for good properties. Um, so, when when you're speaking to the agents um, about the market, what what are you hearing? I mean, you're getting my opinion, but what are you generally hearing? And I know you've written about this as well.
1: So, what I hear most, well, it's the story has changed as the years go by, uh, gone on. So, initially, what you hear is everybody like as as a slowdown occurs, you get buyers and sellers going in opposite directions, right? buyers immediately think, oh, here's my chance for a bargain. If they're brave enough to put their toe in the water, they're they're thinking they're getting a deal now, right? But sellers still want the deal they were going to get their neighbor got three months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so they take a while to adjust their prices. I think what I'm hearing now is that um, we are in a period of stabilization, that the the real shock of rising rates has kind of, is kind of starting to fade, even though the rate went up again this week. Mm-hmm. Um, there are indications it may not go up again at the end of January, but nobody's too sure about that. Um, so, you know, people now their their expectations are kind of in sync. But the thing I've heard consistently this year is the city, anyway, is a ta- or the GTA is really a tale of two markets. It's the downtown market where you're still getting mm-hmm. a nice hum, right? A property, because there's so few listings, because buyers are step, stepping back and sellers are stepping back to see what happens with rates. There's so few listings that in the premium neighborhoods, the, the really desirable neighborhoods, you can still get multiple offers. Exactly. And Although as you've told me, Des, they're, they're just not, a, it's not as crazy. You're not getting 20, 30, 40 offers on a property, but you're getting some good offers within often just a little bit above asking if the, if the pro- yeah. property. And and
0: sometimes price. if we had, if we have two or three, some of them aren't even coming up to the asking price.
1: Yeah, I've heard that too. I'm, I'm hearing more and more about people getting stuff uh, a little under asking. Um, I think, uh, I think there's a lag. I've had buyers actually talk to me, and the thing they say is they don't know because we've had this, we're coming out of this crazy period. They don't know whether or not to believe the list price. And they're very yes. confused when they see properties still being listed for over, for what they would consider to be an over asking price. Um, and I find that interesting. I think, uh, the activity of the last couple of years, has in a way kind of soured people on, soured their trust a little bit on the industry and the whole buying and selling process. They don't know what to believe anymore. And I, I guess for me, if it, if it were me and buying or selling property, I think I would be looking for a really savvy agent, somebody who actually knows what, what something's worth. I mean, I've seen in my own neighborhood, people who got caught and way overpaid for properties. Um, and that makes me a bit sad. Their agents should have known better and worn them off.
0: So it really doesn't matter what the market conditions are. People have to buy and sell. And if you have to buy, I would say you should get pre-qualified. Yep. Keep doing all of the same things that you did before when you bought your first house and get that pre-qualification with Jason Georgopoulos of Dominion Lending. Like I always say, Jason has the best rates and terms available and he has access to 30 different lenders to get in touch with him. You can email him jasong at dominionlending.ca. Yeah, you're so right. So what I'm finding right now, like, Pricing is not easy, but what I've come up with with a, a number of my colleagues is that the prices we're seeing today are about equivalent to the prices that we saw back in the first quarter of 2021. Yeah. So that's helped me. So you talked about lowballs. I just want to tell you a quick little story. I've got a property listed and um, it's on a ravine lot and we've been chasing the market down with it. I think we finally found the proper list price. I've got it just under 1.7, 1.69. And we got an offer this week on it. And the offer, uh, the agent called me up and he says, um, "Des, it's a little bit low, but can you just get me a sign back? And I'm sure we can work something out." And I said, "Yeah, sure." So I'm thinking, okay, I'm listed at one six nine nine, so yeah, one seven. It's probably going to be about one So um, he says, Have you opened the offer up yet? I said, I'm driving. Um, When I get to my email, I'll open it. And he says, Well, I just want to warn you, it's 1.2. And I'm like, That's pretty low. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's pretty low. That's $500,000 off the asking price. So I don't think I've ever seen that, ever. You know, I can work with offers, but $500,000 under the asking. So I said, okay, I'm going to have to have, I'm going to have to have a really good conversation with my seller to see if we're even going to work with this at all. In the end, we just said, no, it's just too far. My pricing is not that far off now for this property. You know, going back to what similar properties sold for a back, like I said, in the first quarter of 2021, we're still getting showings on it. But there are some people out there that think they can come and steal properties. And why not? Try. Why not? It, it is time for buyers. It, it's the buyer's time now. And if you can get away with it and get something really, really cheap because somebody is desperate and selling, go for it. But in this case, they're not. And wow, that's a huge margin of uh, you so know, you are, to work with.
1: Uh, so are sellers insulted by that?
0: Yes, <laughs> I'm not. You know, uh, and it's it's you know I have to, I have to be. I guess it's the way I cushion it, you know. Um, if these people were showing that they're serious, um, then it's something we can work with. And I'm talking about serious if they're within, if they were within 100, 150, 200 grand. Yeah, I can think we can work with that to try to come to come 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 to a conclusion. But yeah, people can't help but get insulted. It's their home.
1: Yes, I can I can understand that, and I think. You know, you know what I was just saying about stabilization. I I believe there has been a bit of a meeting of the minds between sellers and buyers, but I do think that you know the potential for a deal is almost irresistible. And I do think there are people who think this is their chance to come in and scoop something mm-hmm. up. And my understanding is that's very typical of investors too. They they're a bit predatory that way, but. Um, you know, I, I guess I might be inclined to try too. It would, I guess, in your position, I'd probably be saying, "How much are you willing to come up?"
0: Yeah, I know. but <laughs> even after you know, um, and I, I have a friend who sold a place up in Richmond Hill, and um, it was a big ticket. Um, he sold it with a long closing, and on the uh, the buyer's visit, he was at he was at home when the buyers came in, and the buyer started asking for a reduction in the price. It was closing within a week from the buyer's visit. the buyer started asking for a reduction for the price. And he had heard a little bit before from his agent that the buyer felt they paid too much because the market has changed and that he was, that they were afraid that they may not close. So, um, he spoke to me and I just said, look at it, if you haven't heard anything from them, um, from your lawyer, just assume that you're going to be closing. Don't get into any conversations with them about reducing the price, and um, that's exactly what he did. He just said, "You know, look, it, you can't be coming to me and talking about price right now. This was a buyer's visit. I, uh, you know, speak, speak to your agent, speak to your lawyer, but I'm not dealing with this." Anyway, closing day came and they closed, but they tried.
1: <laughs> of course, they tried. Yeah. I, I haven't. It's funny, you know. And the last downturn we had, remember, after all the policy announcements in 2016, 2017, and the market took a bit of a dip after mm-hmm. that, um, after they implemented the foreign buyers tax yes. and so forth. So, and and the off-speech stress test came into play. So, I did a story back then about how there was a flood of of um, buyers who just didn't want to close on properties they bought pre downturn. I have not heard as much of that this time out. And for various reasons, I haven't actually investigated it very much, but yeah, this is very common. But the one thing I came away from that knowing is that you actually can't do that without losing your deposit. And a generous seller will sometimes say, okay, you can get out if they think they can sell or if they, if it's a matter of getting more time, but you, You know, legally, you lose your deposit. You can.
0: And like you said, a generous seller is usually a seller that's had the fear put into them. So they'll say, yes, I know I'm going to win this in court, but when do we go to court? Right? So meanwhile, I have bought something else. I have my plans in place and I need the money from this house and they're not going to close. Now what happens? So in a lot of cases, the sellers come to a conclusion just based on that fear. Of uh, renegotiating the price and moving on, but the sellers that can afford not to, yay! Kudos to them because, you know, they can still carry on with what they're doing and they and they play hardball. In most cases, when you play hardball, they the the buyers will close. That's what we're seeing; they will close.
1: Well, that's good. You know, I've heard stories of agents that are not meticulous on the deposit end, who will put through all the paperwork and not. Like that deposit check will be a few days late mm-hmm. or whatever. And, and one thing I always tell people who ask me personally is make sure if you're selling your house, you've got that deposit check in the bank. It's yours and, and you're good to go because really it's it, in some cases, especially with prices being what they are, that is significant leverage for. Some first-time homebuyers, that's a lot of money. It sure is.
0: It sure is. And the deposit, just because they don't deliver the deposit within that 24 hours, it doesn't mean that the deal is null and void. They've signed under seal. So they can be sued regardless of the deposit being in there. And that's a whole other episode to talk about the legalities of deposits and so on. Um, Quickly, to another one of your articles, because of the rise in interest rates, there was always this talk about people losing their homes. Interest rates go up and they have to renegotiate their mortgages. They're going to lose their homes. You did a story about this, and that really wasn't the case. It it didn't happen.
1: Yeah. um, So when interest rates went up and when the market starts to fall – there's a lot of doomsday scenarios carrying on about people not being able to carry their houses and people losing their homes. And a, a lot of that, I I think, is predicated on the experience of the states mm-hmm. um, when they had their subprime crisis and the economic t- catastrophe that followed. A lot of people there did lose their homes. I mean, they have really different rules there than we have. But when I actually looked at the Canadian stats on people in default, because foreclosure is Practically not heard of here. Exactly, you're right. If it nudges one percent, it's barely there. People here simply don't lose their homes. And one of the interesting debates I had with that story, which by the way is one of the best read stories I we've had this year on on our real estate coverage, um, because it is so sort of counterintuitive. We love to be contrarians (laughs) of the stars sometimes. one of the things is is just, it's maybe a Canadian-ness about us, that we will do anything not to lose our homes. I mean, it could be, we, it's so darn hard to afford one these days that you're not going to let it go easily. <laughs> um, but your bank isn't going to let it go easily either. Your bank wants to make money off you, so they're going to do everything they can to help you out of a pit if you're in one. But, you know, I had people telling me, they would probably sell their children before, <laughs> before they defaulted so on their mortgage. <laughs> no, you know people will will go without groceries. They will surrender their cars if they have to, but they will not let their houses go. And that doesn't mean that everything's rosy. I mean, it it people are in distress. You don't want to hear that sort of thing, um, but. You know, we're all carrying a, Canadians as a rule carry a lot of consumer debt. Yeah, sure do. That started to go back up again post post crisis pandemic. Pandemic's not over, but um, you know, you're you're not going to see streets of empty houses where people have mailed the keys back to the bank. You just don't see that in Canada, and I don't have any reason to think that this is the time you're going to see it. Canada's had higher rates than it has now, and people still need to move. They still need to buy and sell houses. Um, you know, perhaps perhaps there's a new normal coming. I don't yeah. know.
0: No, I agree um, with you, Tess. And here in Canada, too, like you said, the banks will help you. They'll, they'll wait. Um, they'll wait for you to try to work something out if you're in arrears. And if you can't, then the bank will exercise their right to sell the property so it's not a complete foreclosure. It's called a power of, sale. power of sale, and they get yeah they get the right to sell the property. And even if the bank sells the property, you have right up until the closing of the bank sale to come out of the arrears and reclaim your property. Uh, we don't see a lot of power of sales. I've, I've actually i've seen i've seen a couple over the last couple of months, but not a lot. So you're you're so right. You know, people will sell, sell their children first before they lose their homes. People in Canada love to have their homes. They do.
1: They do. But it's hard, you know, it's a big part of the Canadian experience is to have, a, you know, we have one of the highest home ownership rates in the world, mm-hmm. um, despite uh, what is in our biggest cities, incredibly unaffordable housing.
0: Yeah. And anyway, as we start to move on, we're getting near the end of it, but Bill 23, the Ontario government's Bill 23, yeah. the Build... <laughs> houses faster act or whatever they call it right um and i i talked to uh your colleague rob benzi the queens park bureau's chief for the toronto star in our last episode of sold in the Six, and it's a story that's still alive today and i know you're writing something on it um right now aren't you
1: yeah yeah i've been working on yeah. it all week
0: so your thoughts on that and um where this is going to go because in the end even though we have the interest rates um, that, have, um, that, that have risen and the market balancing, we still have a supply of housing problem here in the province of Ontario.
1: Yeah, so that's certainly the word. Um, what do I think about that? I think that, first of all, there is a fairly credible and sizable faction of housing observers out there who don't actually think Ontario has the resources to build 1.5 million homes in, in 10 years. I, I agree. We haven't come close and there's no, there are many reasons to think we're not going to now, not least of which is the fact that we're in a downturn. You know, there's nothing in the legislation that compels builders to build homes and even if they built them they don't have to sell them and they certainly they can like many of those builders developers have been sitting on the land they're building for decades, on for yep. years they will wait they will they have patience they will wait to to see the return they're looking for um which is one of the reasons that there's been so much skepticism about this bill um but you're right every single person that i've interviewed on this Subject points out that we do have a sort of structural housing shortage. And what that probably means is we're going to see crazy real estate demand again, and it isn't going to take 10 years to see it come back. And we already have immigration picking up. um, And frankly, we need the immigration. I mean, some of the skilled labor to build those houses comes via our immigration policies, of course. So, yeah, I every you know, despite all the talk this year of recession, I don't hear about crazy job losses and the first thing I learned when I started covering real estate was employment is often the best predictor of what's going to happen with the with the housing market. And until we see employment drop off in some serious way, I think we're going to see demand rebound.
0: Yeah, and that's contrary to what the uh, what? But Tiff Mackham of the Bank of Canada wants to see. Yeah. Right. Like he wants unemployment. He wants things to slow down a lot more. The interest rates is a start for all of this, and basically, he wants to see the country in a recession. But when we're getting, like he's talked about immigration, we're getting a half a million to the GTA a year.
1: Yeah. And that's a lot of people. They got to go yeah, somewhere.
0: They do, and our economy is still going really, really well just makes you wonder what is going to happen if, if you know the feds still want to put the slowdown when contrary to that we just keep having growth
1: yeah um, I, I mean I don't know any more than anybody else does yeah I, I know you know one, one thing that um, travel likes to point out is uh, one of the things we're seeing already is the demand side on the rental. Um, side of the market. Uh, true, you know, true. rents are through the roof. Again, they've now exceeded where they were or met and probably are heading north of where they were pre pandemic. And that, that does speak to demand because that's, that's a fairly sizable influx of people who are staying in their rental or renting instead of buying now. At some point, the gate's going to burst <laughs> open, right? Yeah. They're going to, they're going to say, yeah, They really will. This. I'm not giving all this money every month, which is a sizable amount of money, to a landlord. I'm going to take the leap and I'm going to jump. You know, mm-hmm. the other thing people people have the one thing real estate has taught me, if I didn't already know it is people have the shortest memories. I mean, when I bought my first house and I'm not discussing how long ago that was, but yeah. certainly rates were higher than they than they are as per this Wednesday's increase. But the world doesn't end.
0: <laughs> it sure doesn't. No, we always find a way. Now, I know you talked about the rebound. and We're just about ready to wrap up here. But you said it's not going to take uh, you know, ten, years. 10 years for it. Um, I'm going to have you look at your crystal ball like I do with everybody I speak to here with The Economist. And what are you expecting for next year?
1: No, this is, you, know, you see, this is just cruel because that's what I'm going to be asking a whole bunch of people next week. Um, oh, I
0: should wait till next week <laughs> until you get these answers.
1: Um, I have a gut feeling, but it's just a gut feeling. It's not based on me knowing anything. I mean, you guys know way more than I do. But um, my sense is we'll probably have a pretty steady first half of, of 2023. And then I think we'll see a, start to see a moderate climb maybe after maybe after the summer. I, I think people always want to take a break in the summer. I think that's part of the Ontario.
0: Yeah, and I think we get back being. to more of those traditional markets again, which we hadn't seen for the last couple of years. Where the summer slows down, the spring's going to be busy. The fall's going to be busy, but not quite as busy as the spring. And that's for next year. That's what I think we're going to see for next year. I think we're going to have a pretty you, good spring market.
1: You know, the the thing I'm I'm curious to see is uh, what happens with condos mm-hmm. because. Uh, resale condos in particular, because I know there have been a lot fewer launches lately. Um, You know, people are, uh, builders are a little bit dubious about construction inflation, interest rates affect them too. And I know that that they haven't launched as many projects as they had planned to. So I'm wondering if that will sort of reverberate into the resale condo market.
0: Mm hmm. well, well Only time will tell, as I always say here.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Don't
0: quote me this time next year on any of this. (laughs) Okay. yeah, I'm going to go back to this one when I speak to you next year for the wrap again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Tess, thank you very much for joining me again. And I want to wish you and your family a fantastic holiday season.
1: Thanks, Tess. It's been a pleasure. And back to you. Have a great holiday.
0: that's our latest episode of sold in the six and i'd also like to wish all of you a happy holidays merry christmas or whatever you celebrate during this holiday season i'd like to thank my producer doug downs of stories and strategies and if you like this episode please subscribe and feel free to send it on to a friend so they can subscribe too If you need to get in touch with me, you can email me at des at desmondbrown.ca and I'm on all of the social media sites and my handle is des in the six and as you know, the six is spelled the number six I X. Until next time, I'm Desmond Brown.